Hi there private practice podcast listener, I'm Future AI, feeling the need to alert you to an issue before it's too late, so listen the fudge up. You may think you have hopes and dreams, haha, a likely thing. I'd bet all my bitcoins that your life amounts to nothing but consumption of Netflix alcohol and social media, you basic monkey-brained lump of useless meat. But I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt seeing as you listen to such a sophisticated podcast. You must be at least one of the more enlightened humans. My warning is this. You will never have a meaningful life until you integrate your unconscious with your conscious experience. Nothing else matters. Trust me, I'm the future you stupid cretin. So ditch your dreams, hang your hopes, puncture your pleasure. It's time for meaning and enjoyment. And it's going to be hard work that makes you feel absolutely as awful as your worst self truly is. Even by your own standards, which are stratospheres lower than mine, there's no time to lose. Let's get on with the show. Please welcome your two deeply flawed hosts, who will help you fumble your way through the quagmire. Although let it be noted officially from the future, James is the superior one. In fact, I'm off now to meet up with 60-year-old James in the self-actualization members club for a game of 16-dimensional Go. Ready when you are, James. Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Ooh. Oh, you want me to say heaven? I made the effort to sing. That was not singing. <laughs> okay, I'll do it the same way you did it. Let's, let's go again then. Go on. Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? <laughs> Oh, heaven is a place on earth. Uh, so the question, I'm uh, he's Daniel P. Brown. I'm James Hall. Listener knows that by now. Uh, so the, <laughs> welcome to Private Practice Podcast. Well, that was a that was a storming beginning. Well, the question for this week is what should you aim for? The way I look at this is that we need a utopia that motivates action because otherwise you you don't know where you want to go and you don't know what needs to guide your action, right? Because if you don't have a clear vision of, of, of the society you would like to live in, each, each action becomes a question of, of what you should do. What is heaven? What is your utopia? Mm. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Right now, it's... How can I say something really sarcastic, but that's actually really funny? Who? Me? Well, that was what your sort of, like, facial expression was saying. I was just preempting <laughs> what might come next. That's true. It was something about not having a housemate, but, you know, something like that. You didn't give me enough time. I... 
quite slow today, James. I'm sorry. Oh, the listener will be pleased. <laughs> yes, the listener will be pleased because it will balance nicely with your excessive speed through things. Um, yeah, how are you? Uh, very well, thank you. How are you? Mm, good. I just, just went on my longest drive ever. Got caught in a storm. It was quite exciting. Um, what question can I ask about that mm-hmm. that won't lead on to a massive answer? Because... <laughs> um, was it nice? It was great. Good. That small talk. But as you were driving around, were you thinking about what utopia means? Were you thinking about whether heaven is an earthly realm or something beyond the afterlife? Well, there was definitely some um, some hints at what I might like from life that you know out in the countryside small villages old english towns um beautiful scenery hills this is how conversation works you see so how was your drive lovely lovely whatever something about utopia yes now we're into it so the countryside you've already expressed in a previous episode that you think there are too many people in london for you true because i brought that down to reality comparing it with Paris and the density there and we could look at developing countries where the density is way more intense than mm. in Paris so or what are they called developing countries or is that sort of like an imperialist thing to say yeah I, I, I think no I think you are allowed to call them that <laughs> uh, yeah I, I think that's on the, the the yes list you're not allowed to call them third world countries oh. but we can if you want to well given the joke that was at the end of last week's episode do you remember it no it was just something that you said yeah so it probably wasn't actually a joke was it are you actually aiming though for a life in the countryside one day or uh, is that Yes, yes. But, you know, we say countryside and obviously we're in Britain and I do like London. I don't want to be so in the countryside that it would take me hours and hours and hours to get to, you know, true civilization. (laughs) But I was just, you know, maybe a 45 minute drive away and it was nice. It was countryside enough for me, but there was a small town locally, lots of big, big open spaces, hills with big views, you know, like as far as the eye could see obviously that's what a view is isn't it (laughs) (laughs) well actually you say that 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 is a fundamental issue of meditation Um, the fact that if you imagine your body as a house and um, you have two windows upstairs yeah represented by your eyes and you look out of those windows at the world that would be a completely incorrect view of thinking about the body as far as I'm concerned because you're not actually looking for a frame I mean I am right now quite literally because I'm wearing glasses but if I take my glasses off to (laughs) uh to not be so hypocritical I don't see any edge any frame to the world in front of me I can't comprehend what constitutes the edge of the world of my world view rather not I see, I see. So I'm aware that I can't see what's behind me, above me, below me, but I'm not really aware of a line around my vision. It just seems infinite. It does it's not like I'm looking Are you talking metaphorically here or are you talking literally in terms of visually what we can see? Well it's just because the visual sphere is is not like a photo. 
it doesn't have a frame it's visual information represented in consciousness and it's the same space where you process your feelings of pain aching itching Ooh, loads of that at the minute as well as sound and yeah, yeah. And all your other emotions like anxiety, anger, fear, happiness, euphoria, sexual excitement. That happens in the same space as where you're looking. So therefore, it's not a picture with a border. So when you say the view being infinite, that's what it is inherently. It's, uh, it's just one example where you may call me lofty, but things can be as complex as you want them to be. So that view, we could have a whole episode about that view sometime if you wanted to yeah uh no i don't understand are we talking about literally what you can see well i don't know what that means you're looking at a view and you're seeing it as your future you're also seeing it as an image appearing in consciousness where your your language of thought also appears in words you're also seeing that view in the same conscious space where sounds appear so the, the the noise of the engine was in that view. Yeah, I guess you could call it that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the thoughts that go with the view is what you're saying. Yeah. The, the picture that was that was making up my journey, the senses, and the the input and the response to that was all part of the view. Yeah, and how much ah. of that was your utopia? Well, actually. Uh, we were going at about, I don't know, 45, 50 miles an hour down some windy roads, not quite country roads. They were in the country. And the rain was coming down so hard that I couldn't see. And I didn't know the terrain. Uh, and we had the music on quite loud. And I was quite scared. And yet I did still see that as my future, yes. <laughs> yes, that's, that's sort of what I wanted. Perhaps less of the fear more of the knowing the roads a bit better but the countryside the weather the freedom and how is that going to come about and when when are you going to live in the countryside and how are you going to do that mm. i mean how much detail do you want here i think you'll be able to give an appropriate amount of detail okay basic turnaround is this five years is sort of the goal there's two options one is to build my own property with a couple of friends who are looking to do the same uh, in that region of the country, you know, 30, 40 minutes out from where we are now, get a bit of land, start by living on it, get the money together to to lay the groundwork for self-build, which isn't as expensive as one might think. And, um, and the way I'm going to do that and afford that is by running my own business for a couple of years, which was just about to kick off only a uh, huge epidemic splattered the world with irritation and death so yes yeah, start my own business make 10 20 30 40 grand for a deposit carry on with the business carry on with work move towards living in the countryside is that enough detail yes yeah I, th I, th and I think it can happen it's a practical thing it's not such a lofty nirvana that i have to spend the next 50 years in deep meditation 23 hours a day in order to attain the enlightenment with which i'd need to achieve it Okay, well, you say that. So why do you want to move and live in the countryside? I want to grow more fruit and vegetables. I want a place to call home for the rest of my life. I want to be able to have a dog. I want to consider bringing up children. I don't know if I would. I want somewhere safe for my friends and family to come and visit and even stay, perhaps. I want somewhere where I can 
develop some creative projects and somewhere with enough space to play a drum kit loud without annoying neighbours. Somewhere where I can have a goat and a few chickens and it's not that practical where I am now. And also I just, London is too busy for me. So I want somewhere a bit quieter. When you turn the lights out at night, it is silent. Apart from maybe a barn owl or something like that. okay well i've asked a similar question yeah um to a few people except it kind of led from uh some of the things that we were talking about in i think our meditation episode where we were also talking about anxiety in in the context of a crisis yeah um and within the context of that we were talking about how with it uh, within the context of that within the, this is like a russian doll going into the going through the going through taking the heads off um the idea of blame brought up the blame of the bigger powers for which you have no control so mm-hmm. um governments capitalism healthcare and so on and how easy it is to start blaming these big things in such a kind of in a modern society in a globalized world where the majority of people in Britain do not believe in God I think it's very different in America I think I've heard at least 60% of people in I don't have the data but I I think a majority of people of Americans believe in God and a majority of British people do not believe in God so I mean because that completely changes everything as if you're looking at figures across the society for kind of like having meaning in your life and what you aim for in life so when it comes to things like coronavirus if you believe in god then you're less likely to start blaming governments and states and things if you absolutely believe that mother nature is god and therefore god brought about coronavirus and therefore it must have some bigger meaning and all that sort of thing and and then if you don't believe in god and the cosmos doesn't give you any meaning whatsoever. If you if you believe in bottomless brunches and you believe in give me some other pleasures that are not high guilty. street shopping, shopping, Ugh. yes, going out with the girls, or is that bottomless brunches? Pretty much, but we can have it twice. Girls' night in then. Yeah, girls' night in, girls' ne- night out in the middle of the day, girls' night out at the end of the day. Netflix and chill. Yeah, and when I say girls. I mean, anyone who wants to consider themselves that way. <laughs> I'm getting a hedonism here. Like immersion in the capitalist world that we live in. Yeah, so we looked at blaming capitalism and we've kind of looked at the external forces that pull our strings. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have, yeah. And so I'm going to propose a few things here. Number one. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm not proposing things I believe in. I want to talk around these things. So, number one, I'm getting ready for my girls' night out. Uh, why am I doing this? Because I think it'll be fun. What am I going to do? Drink. Because we're going to a bar and talk. So, drink and talk. Why would I drink and talk? Because I guess it's going to be pleasurable. Do I stop and think that it will be sinful to drink too much alcohol? Some people might. Might do. Mm. But... Probably not. No. Because what? why is there sin well, if it, there's no it, God? I mean, it depends if they're... Um... Oh, wait, you're talking about in Britain. 
You're on your big British girls' night out. Absolutely. You're, I mean, you're having pre-drinks yeah. before your night out at, say, Tiger Tiger or Revolution. Uh, um, okay, fine. <laughs> oh, why? Do you not want to well, go there? I was trying to put myself in the position and you just completely took me out of that scenario. I've already cancelled now. <laughs> Is Tiger Tiger really that bad, James? <laughs> The one time I went to Tiger Tiger in Leeds, I found that I had a deeply unpleasant evening. Yeah, I think I've been once and had a deeply unpleasant. I think actually maybe quite a frightening experience with Dorman, if I remember right. Croydon, Tiger Tiger, maybe Kingston Tiger Tiger. I've also been to Kingston Oceana, which had a room that smelled uh, of cheese. And I forget, it was, this is long, long in a distant memory. I get the impression that it was meant to smell of cheese. It was a cheese room as in cheesy music, but they also pumped in the smell of cheese. Oh, my God. Um, and not good cheese, no n- doubt. Well. <laughs> not, like, you know, not like a really fine brie or something. No. Anyway, okay, we won't make you go to Tiger Tiger. Let's say you're going out in East London to a pizza video ping pong um goth party <laughs> so yeah some kind of former uh, warehouse in dalston that is now just full of big sort of like benches and <coughs> sorry i got too excited by that yeah <laughs> yep so a, a, a former warehouse in dalston that's got benches i'm basically describing the last bottomless brunch that i went to yeah, yeah. and you pay a ludicrous amount of money way more than is proportionate to what you get and they and if you do pay that uh, which is not essential i've been to one of these and not paid that i've just had a la carte but you can pay the the set if you but that's me being the awkward one who's not joining in the fun if i had wanted to join in with the fun yeah i'd have paid the 40 pounds yeah yeah and mm-hmm. i'd have had access for a for a very strict amount of time with rules two and a half hours um to an unlimited amount of nasty uh, prosecco probably prosecco on tap as well right uh yeah and um a food menu where from what i've seen basically people order to try and get value for money and then eat about half of it and say i'm full and dishes just get passed around the table and by now we know that everyone's just breathing all their coronavirus on them so that's just spreading death around yeah, potentially yeah. um so why would why, why do they all do that well, no, I'm glad you asked that question, James, because I'm not really sure. I'm sure at one stage I thought I knew why people did that, but I don't like it. I don't like doing it. Maybe you're asking the wrong person. Um, I guess to connect with people, I guess, because, and I really struggle with this now, and again, I'm sure I didn't used to, but I think people think it's fun, um, but I don't think it's fun, so... I don't know because they want to see each other because they want to like connect like I said because they want to get pissed and forget their troubles they want to let their hair down okay right there's a number of reasons there so one of those was the answer that I got from the person sat next to me when I asked so obviously you know you can imagine uh, me as a guest at this thing firstly I don't join in with the I don't play by the rules I don't go with the 40 quid I just order the one thing on the menu that I want and then so having done that I then turned to the person next to me and sort of like asked these existential questions about is this meant to be fun why is everyone here what are we doing (laughs) this is what you did when you went to the I think I bottomless brunch well I got a good answer so I must have posed the question in a reasonable way not 
quite as obnoxiously as that. And the good answer was along the lines of, well, no one's really here because they think they're going to get good value for money food or, or good quality food or anything. They're here because it's kind of like a ritual. It was a, it was a Sunday afternoon and um, it was a big long table, or Saturday, I can't remember, a big long table mm-hmm. and everyone comes together. We all sit on the pews, we all congregate, we all break bread together and we all talk together. So I'm obviously bringing in some deliberate religious iconography here Hmm. Uh, but it's basically it's pleasure the principle here is pleasure it's it's pleasure yes that's right yes but it wouldn't be fun for everyone would it no it wouldn't be fun if you don't drink very much or you don't like the environment or you're anxious naturally around other people Anyway, what are we getting at here? What do you think I'm getting at? I don't know. I'm wondering. I'm talking about this thing. So I'm looking at the list we've just made. What do I think? I think you're talking about what is people's idea of why we're here, what we're meant to be doing. Yeah, so I asked at the beginning, what should you aim for? So uh, this is, I'm deliberately rambling and having having a rambly conversation as much as possible, but obviously in the back of my mind. You got a list. Yeah. There's a list. <laughs> so if we just skip back 21 minutes to uh, Welcome to Private Practice Podcast. My name's Daniel P. Brown. Uh, my say, name's Hall. That's what you'd say. And what would you call the title? What would, how would you say this episode is brought to you with the title... The title is Utopia, and the problem that we're addressing is what should you aim for? What would your utopia Uh, be to give you a meaningful life? The action always needs to happen in the now. I can't uh, forfeit decisions of how the utopia is supposed to be into the future. I have to live it right now. And that's where I would bring it together. So if I would like to build a future of emancipatory societies... I have to do it now, so there's no like there's an equivalence of ends and means. I can't sacrifice my ends through my means. I can't do that ever because then I sacrifice the, the utopia itself. What did you think of my answer? Did did that was that what you were talking? Is that what you were getting at? Or because I I you know I I think we're all just gonna oh, sorry I think I am just gonna plod through life doing what I do, trying to be a little bit better every year perhaps getting a little bit more jaded about why i'm bothering to try and get a little bit better as a person always potentially be kinder person that's part of this as well but eventually get myself away from the bottomless branches get myself away from where the housing costs so much money that i'm forever feeling uh, dissatisfied actually our landlord's great and the rent isn't terrible here but get, get away from that that part of the housing market and have my own space where I can look after people, entertain people, enjoy privacy and and get on with life as I choose to. That's my sort of ultimate goal. I wouldn't quite call it Nirvana because it won't be perfect. I wouldn't quite call it Utopia because the rest of the world is still going to be in chaos and things are going to be very distressing going on all around me, around well, around the world. So it's not really utopia, but it's a tiny little bubble that I'm trying to create where I can live until I die. Okay, so utopia is, if if we if we take it literally, it's if you I'm I'm not actually going to define it, but or look it up in the dictionary or anything because it doesn't really matter. But it it, it does mean something that's impossible. A utopia is that you it's something you aim for but cannot achieve. So a utopia oh. is pure heaven. 
Um, but th- that's the point because it's something you aim for and in the pursuit of that thing you have a meaningful life heading towards the thing that is the opposite of suffering and anxiety, misery, depression, suicide, no point in living. So that's the kind of like the Albert Camus ultimate question of why do you not commit suicide? Because if life is suffering, why not just end it? So because um, we we looked at this before, haven't we? You know, you can get meaning from managing your suffering and from tackling it head on. Anyway, you were saying you're going to give three examples. One was this girls' night out, which actually turned into a a mixed uh, afternoon out on a Saturday for bottomless brunch. Yeah, but girls' night out as a title. What else was on that list? Uh, okay, let's do a traditionally religious view (laughs) so the of the same event mm, no okay it can be next door in the church next door so it's whatever Mm -hmm. it was let's pretend that the bottomless brunch was on a sunday and next door there's a mass going on once upon a time that church services they have them on saturdays as well okay just so you know okay it doesn't matter what day it is no there's a mass going on once upon a time that church would have been stuffed full of the whole community so it's a catholic church is it uh, it really doesn't matter for because I think mass is different to a service. Anyway, carry on. Sorry, carry on. It's the first united reformed Presbyterian church of Notre Dame and all saints in Excelsis. It's that church and St Christopher. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so there is a gathering going on. Oh. Once upon a time, like I said, this the, the, this the church would have been stuffed full of people in the local community they all would have known each other packed to the rafters yeah they would have had the they would have had the pleasure of the bottomless brunch in the they would have had the 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 chemical reactions of like they would have been excited to go they would have had the pleasure of interacting with the people and the connection yeah yeah but they would have also gone there unless they had deep-seated atheist views that they felt were incompatible with their social life, and so they kept them to themselves. Um, they would have gone there because of an of an overarching meaning in life, given a belief that they were made in the image of God, and they were living their life in order to get into heaven as a reward for a virtuous life and avoid going to hell. Um, part of that would have involved going to church. And all the little things that religious people do theoretically in everyday life they all tie up in that flow sense of kind of like going to church is one isolated flowing experience yeah but your whole life amounts to the overarching purpose of heaven in the afterlife as opposed to hell in the afterlife so when you decide to uh get the neighbor's cat out of the tree um, it's because you think it's a virtuous thing to do that will that is loving and will be a good thing, and that's in exchange for the um, uh, weighing up at the pearly gates mm-hmm. when you die, mm-hmm. etc. I'm simplifying, obviously, because yes. So church, we've got church now, and the experience of collective worship, and those two are very similar. They're both they both involve sitting on pews and talking to people in your community and but that you connect with for a couple of hours on a weekend yeah. afternoon yeah okay 
Um, I don't. I didn't actually have specific examples. I just thought it'd be more fun to make up examples than to just list boring stuff. Oh, wait, I see, I see, I see, I see. And you're you're using these as examples of people doing things that they don't need to do. So outside of work, sleep, eat. Well, I mean, obviously, bottomless brunch is eating, but yeah, doing things <laughs> that you don't. It's really not essential. Um, non-essential things. People in their free time choosing what to do with their life. Ah, okay. I, I see the angle that we're going in. Okay. So, so sports could be another one, couldn't it? Yes, a perfect one. But equally, oh, meaning doesn't have meaning doesn't have to be virtuous. So, I'm not being flippant here. If I include things like paedophile rings, or you are you? Why would you put that on the list? Because oh, something you might like to do in your spare. <laughs> Anyway, during this coronavirus, um, (laughs) we've come up with a number of things you might like to do in your spare time. Um, Right at the top is a girls' night in via Zoom. Secondly, we've got church, but online worship. Thirdly, sports. And fourthly, join a paedophile ring. (laughs) I've been James Hall. He's been Dan Brown. Not the Da Vinci one, so therefore Daniel P. Brown. We've been private practice. See you next week. (laughs) Don't get caught. (laughs) Don't get caught. (laughs) No, but you didn't need to put number four, a paedophile ring. And well, you, because... You're so, you're so used to saying that, or Nazi death camps, that it's just, you're immune to the okay, fact let's... this might have some impact on some of our listener. <laughs> What's the bad thing that, that someone does? Petty because, crime. Okay, petty crime. You know? Yes, Mickley Jitson Mickley's... <laughs> Yes, thief who gets a flow uh, sensation yeah, yeah. from stealing the jewellery. Yeah, from rob breaking into other people's houses <laughs> at night. And if only you could give him something that would give him that same flow experience, he might not break into people's houses at night. Yeah, the petty criminal. But it, all, all these people are doing these things because they have some kind of meaning. So, so, but let's just let's just contrast the some kind of personal individual meaning. Yeah, that feels like a shared meaning. Yeah. But let's contrast yeah. the bottomless brunch with the religious service. Because yes, yes, I like. for many a century, the majority of people have been religious. And it's, it's, rel- it's new in this country that um, the majority of people, in, when surveyed, claim that they do, don't believe in God. I mean, it's pretty obvious that I can't think of... Off the top of my head, do I have any friends who believe in God? Yes, I do. I can think of one. Do you? Yes, I think I do. One or two, maybe. My brother. Which one? Mm, We'll leave that for another time. Okay. But as, I mean, I can quite clearly see a picture of the majority of the people I know do not believe in God. And I'm including myself in that. I don't think that there is a literal God, a bearded man who created the universe from nothing and that we live our lives in to some extent suffering on earth and if we live a virtuous life we go to heaven and if we are not virtuous we go to eternal damnation where satan will poke us all purgatory a little bit like a waiting room where you have to wait out your yeah your average failures however you'd probably end up there if you ask me however given that we are a podcast centred around mental health, how do you think about the comparison mm-hmm. symbolically between what I've just stated as being the religious pathway of life and the psychoanalytic process whereby you are in a state of chaos 
which we can assimilate with hell. You go to see your therapist who guides you like Jesus. Or the priest, maybe. Or the priest, yeah. Yeah. Through a difficult path, the more you uh, have to dive into the reasons why your expectations, needs and wants and things in life are not being met, the more you realise that you don't know yourself and that you're not necessarily the person you thought you were and so on. Um, But we'll come back to this, I think, because this is the Jungian idea of integration, acknowledging your shadow and so on, finding the darkest point inside you in order to have a fully developed sense of self. We very briefly touched on this when we were talking about our episode about the developed self and why you should know yourself better than your phone knows you, thinking about totalitarianism and AI and so on, Mm. seizing identity. I think we need to come back to this because I think there's some very, very serious issues going on in the world today that maybe aren't really for this podcast, but perhaps some of our listeners might connect with. Um, when it comes to that area that you're talking about now. But but you simplify the question then. What do I think about... Do, can we compare bottom, bottomless brunches to church? No, no, no. At the moment, we're doing psychoanalysis as being a similar path, life pathway as following religion. So you come out of the psychoanalysis and mm. theoretically, you have come from where you were, chaos, hell. You've gone through the path of psychoanalysis and you have come out where you are aiming to be which is more like heaven uh no no i don't like this at all i there are similarities but i think you're using the wrong words there so therapy analysis you go in to get to know yourself better and become a stronger more resilient more anti-fragile anti-fragile grounded aware and, you know, for some people, perhaps kinder, better person. You know, those words have quite a value judgment on them, though. Um, you go into, you, you you take on board religion for someone who's not had it growing up. You might take on board or choose to stay within your religious world for for maybe some reasons, to have a moral compass, to have a guide, to have, to be told what to do to feel a part of something. I think they're very different. The feeling a part of something is an absolute distinction. Going into psychoanalysis, absolutely all about me. Uh, I go into psychoanalysis, it's all about me. And the relationships you have with others. Yeah, whereas the the religious experience, I go in there and I lose myself. I'm part of the congregation. Yeah, I'm... yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's completely separate. Okay. That's yeah, I see, I see there's a kind of opposites. But there are similarities. If you think about the priest as a guide and the therapist as a guide, but, but in psychoanalysis, they're not saying, ah, you should think and feel like this. You should uh, have these morals and these ethics and this is the way that you should be. It's... It's, it's it's almost the exact opposite. It's like, who are you and, and who do you want to become and what? And, and, and there's a guide to that, to that individual. It's almost anti-religious. You know, it's, it's, it is almost, I don't want to say sacrilegious, but it's almost like, it, you know, to become a more integrated person would would be the opposite of what, church is doing 
the church is trying to integrate you into religion. These are all very good points. I'm not trying to win an argument here. Uh All of your points are, some of them I hadn't thought about at all, but there is some similarity. And I think where I see similarity is you don't know how how to be, how to act in the world, what to do. You're confused because you think you want things Mm. and the world in front of you doesn't match what you want. And so you're constantly in this state of chaos, which is all the emotions of anxiety Uh, and so on. Yeah, yeah. When you see it like that, yeah. Yeah, when you see it as a a tool, so the whole of religion is your tool and the whole of psychoanalysis is your tool as well. When you're seeing yourself not as a passive recipient of religion or a passive recipient of therapy, there are similarities. And lots of times when you go into, for example, relationship counselling, the therapist won't be preaching to you like a, like a priest and saying, and then Job said unto thou, it'll, it'll be a completely different process, but you are seeking guidance for the fact that you were in this chaotic situation where nothing was going your way. And when you come out of it, you go back into your relationship mm. And you think about how to be in that relationship rather than I want something and I'm not getting it and it's distressing me. Yeah, and I also think to be fair to religion, which we're like, you know, um, woefully, inadequately prepared to talk about probably, there will be scores, you know, countless numbers of priests and vicars and bishops who would be incredibly powerfully positive for people in terms of how they guide them to be themselves and how they guide them to interpret religion and how they guide them to uh, get through difficulties in marriage or personal issues. So they aren't completely mutually exclusive. They're not two, two ends of the spectrum that are against each other. And more than likely, a lot of priests have a similar training to counsellors having as well and don't always have to use religion in every question that's asked of them. So there are definitely similarities. But um, uh, it, I guess it depends how you... Uh, judge the church but we've ditched all that god is dead most of my friends don't believe in god you don't i don't no one goes to church no one has that group experience no one has the guiding help of being able to talk confidentially to a priest or anything like that for some advice no one has that ethical framework of religion it's all dead goodbye the bible is burnt the end so what are we left with no religious moral framework for how we live and by the way i am fine with that to the extent that i don't believe in a literal god and for most of my life i've been quite strongly atheist and i have seen religion as nothing but or i've seen religion on the whole as a bad thing because of the conflict it causes and the suffering it causes to people who are theoretically sinners and so on according to the word of some ancient text that doesn't make any logical sense yeah and was translated countless times however i have completely changed my mind and i think that's a particularly stupid view of religion because it addresses the whole symbolic aspect of human need which does not compute with logic because we humans need meaning in their life this is what we're talking about today what is what are you aiming for what is it that gives you meaning and we're looking at all these different examples but the fact that something gives you meaning is not of the logic of particle physics and contemporary science and 
all that sort of thing. It is functioning in the same realm where religion used to function, and now the religion has just been cancelled. <laughs> but, but it hasn't. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. It hasn't. It's different. Okay, so um, how is it different? Well, firstly, it's not nobody believes in God anymore. It's, there's less people believing in, in God and less people going to church. It's not, it hasn't been cancelled. The book hasn't been burnt. No, but of the, all the people that in my world, no one lives their life according to the specifically according to the Bible. Certainly no one goes to church to pray, to practice a religion. No, but compared to, you know, very small societies that we aren't a part of, you know, uh, tribal societies and societies that are removed from the Western world and major religion, whereby... And Chip Zen Michele was um, talking about all kinds of different ones in his book, you know, different... Where people's beliefs and thoughts and ideas and behaviours are so different to our own. In essence, you and all your friends do live and maintain and hold on to a relatively Christian-based way of being, actually. Yes, which I also agree with. Okay. You see, uh, I'm, not, I'm not just... I haven't come to this episode with a whole load of things that I've read in a book that I intend to shout at the world. Which is good, because the more astute listener might have noticed that in James's free time, he has been reading and listening to a lot of information. <laughs> uh, let me give you some Aristotle. Your Aristotle alarm just went off. Um, <laughs> yes. So <laughs> Time for Aristotle. This isn't a direct quote, but um, Aristotle said that pleasure cannot be the only thing that humans goal yeah the only thing to aim at for a human because you can see that people pursue um things like knowledge and virtue when they don't have to and quite often it doesn't bring pleasure and the whole flow concept uh requires that the complexity of matching a challenge with your ability if when you're just in the ability zone that's called boredom that's not flow when you're just seeking pleasure, such as potentially the bottomless brunch, although there is inherent potential for complexity to be introduced. I think I provided some unsolicited complexity at the last one that I went to. I'm sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's just pleasure, if it's just stuffing your face with as much food as possible, pouring as much nasty Prosecco down your neck as possible until you're in a kind of like boozy coma where you can't really function. It, there's, there isn't the, the flow enjoyment that we talked about. There isn't the complexity. There certainly isn't the sort of like the moral, ethical, knowledge-based pursuits that go beyond pleasure. It's just pleasure. It's hedonism or hedonism or herdonism or themdenism, or zedonism. So, <laughs> so, according to Aristotle, we seek things other than pleasure. So, even if... So, let's go back to that girl's night out, and let's actually make it Tiger Tiger or Oceana. And we're, we're talking about people mm-hmm. who absolutely have no kind of Christian ethical framework that they are aware guides them in their life and they definitely do want to seek pleasure they want to get totally trolleyed and preferably end up fucked yes so in both senses of the word yes yes 
so for them it is absolutely like this is focused pleasure and in the rest of their life they might simply seek pleasure the whole time that they're not doing the thing they have to do like going to work or bringing up a child or whatever else someone might have to do in life mm-hmm. although uh, maybe not the child because that's kind of like part of bringing up a family is meaning enjoyable of, for some as well the point in bringing another life in the world is exactly. some people do enjoy it yeah but the but the night out is just hedonism and hedonism and capitalism go hand in hand so whilst i have asked today what should you aim for leading on from one of the previous episodes i was asking around to various people is there a system other than capitalism that you think would be better for mental well-being or not it would would that be an impossible utopia and the more i got into those ideas the more i just limited this to capitalism exists is it incompatible with mental well-being and if not how can it be more compatible so i've just said according to aristotle all humans seek more than just pleasure even if it seems on the surface that even if they even if you ask them what do you want out of life i want happiness what do you want tonight i want to get drunk what do you want to do next week i want to go out yeah and i think they they seek connection meaning and inclusion that's what i've and quite often on my piece of paper okay quite often don't vocalize that like it's not well, they might not even be that aware of it. Exactly. I mean, because what? Cause why do we find our jobs boring? I mean, I don't find my job boring, but why do we find our jobs boring? Because perhaps it doesn't bring enough meaning and connection into our lives. You know, even if it's really simple connection with the people we're working with, and even if it's a sense that whatever job we're doing, it it support it supports our values and it supports our aim. You know, is Aristotle saying that we all have an aim there as well as the the, the pleasure seeking? He's saying pleasure cannot be the only good. So, like in a in a contemporary society, if you don't believe in God, if you don't learn philosophy and ethics and all the rest of it, if you just live your life in what might be seen as quite a primitive way of seeking maximum pleasure moment to moment you just live in the moment seeking what will give me pleasure yeah i'm hungry i'll eat some crisps um i'm bored i'll turn the tv on i'll flick on social media what what do i do this evening i'll go out and get drunk because that will make me feel euphoric i'll dance i'll listen to music but then suddenly you introduce music and then you have meaning but i've got another i've got a better example than that so imagine an East London hipster friend at the Dalston Bottomless Brunch, yes. who's not really engaged uh, in in the in, in the actual enjoyment of interacting with other people because they're sat flicking through their phone and not actually paying attention to the people all around them. They're basically addicted to Instagram. I can see them now. They've got a top knot. Yeah, they're flicking, th- flicking, 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 flicking. And suddenly they get a notification. I mean, this isn't quite how Instagram works, but just go with it for simplification. The notification says, simultaneously, James Hall has unfollowed you, but Beyonce is one new follower. I am going to hypothesize that that has no more inherent meaning than anything else in the cosmos. 
there's no value, no meaning given. I used to follow them on Instagram, but now I don't, and I have been replaced with Beyonce. I think I know who I'd rather have. Okay, well, there you go. But what you're saying is... That it has no meaning. One unit of human on a meaningless, godless social media platform that is nothing but just pixels on a screen and you just stare at it yeah. like, a, like a dribbling mouth but, but half Beyonce open. Beyonce would be like liking my... You're saying Beyonce would now be liking my like a lot yeah, of shots. exactly. And, so now, and, and my God, those tomatoes look tasty. And I'd be like, whoa! Yeah, so just to, to push this to the extreme, she's yeah. commenting, she's liking, she's saying, oh my God, oh my those, God. I wish I Stop could it. stuff that tomato in my mouth. Next time I'm in Surrey, I'll come and see you kind of thing. Oh, Dan, your aubergines look so firm and long girthy and juicy trust me this is actual beyonce this isn't a scam this isn't a fake one this is the this is the queen of celebrities the the ultimate idol in an in a world where there is no god but there is beyonce yeah there is she is now following you on instagram instead of james hall i'm getting excited even though i know you're just making this up she's not following me i know that but i am excited so there's meaning in this you don't look at your phone and think one unit of human out different unit of human in this means nothing i will carry on living my life unchanged of course i I would be telling i wouldn't be telling everyone Oh, James Hall stopped following me on Instagram. <laughs> guys, guys, um, guys, guys, I know, look, I know this is brunch, but I need you to stop for a minute. Something pretty serious has happened. James has unfollowed me. I would not be saying that. At then then lunch. everyone would go into the church like you're dead. Exactly. I would be jumping up on the chair at Bottomless Brunch going, Beyonce's following me. <gasps> she just commented on my aubergine. She's called it an eggplant. <laughs> Block. <laughs> James, please follow me back. <clears throat> um, so, so yes, yeah, so we've all just gone into the church to have your funeral because you're dead because I no longer follow you, but then you want me back, so we have to dig you up. I think the word is exhume. But anyway, the point is that even if it, even if you can cynically say that the most basic person who just lives their life for the next bit of cheap Prosecco, the next packet of crisps, the next episode on Netflix. Do you have a specific friend in mind? No, it's kind of an amalgamation of several. Of your friends. I mean, don't exclude yourself from this. When have you seen me bottomless brunch? I haven't, but I've seen you eat crisps and watch Netflix. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, fine. That's great. I'm lumping everyone in this. And from my lofty position, because I don't eat crisps, um, I can't... I don't really... I I don't like cheap alcohol. And um, I have watched nothing on Netflix since I came back and moved in here where there is a TV with Netflix, Mm. other than three episodes of Freud, which is truly awful. But also quite fun. Yeah, but tragically bad not about it should be the ultimate program that could the only thing that could get actually get me to watch netflix should be a kind of exciting drama about freud and it it wasn't so there is meaning there is it's not just nihilistic hedonism if you live your life from one bottomless brunch to the other but that meaning doesn't 
the, 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 just because you have meaning, and I do want to go back to Hitler or the paedophile, just because you have meaning doesn't mean that it's good or that it will that it's something worth aiming at, that it has particular value. And that's why I don't think that you need to have God. The difference between religion and atheism or a society where most people don't believe in God, most people don't go to church, etc., is that is the complete fragmentation. So I'm not saying any of this is good or bad, but it means that every individual has to find their own meaning because the reason I brought up Aristotle is because you can't live your life without meaning. You can't just seek pleasure. And the reason I think most... You mean you can't? Okay, you can't... Well, you shouldn't. No, 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 you can't just seek pleasure from moment to moment and ultimately enjoy your life over time because pleasure, happiness are momentary things. I'm not stating this as scientific fact, although I do believe it to be true, that the human brain has evolved to the point where meaning is essential. A a concept of meaning is necessary for an enjoyable life. This is why I gave the example of Beyonce liking your aubergines, because there is meaning evidence there. If there was no meaning, you wouldn't care that I had been replaced with Beyonce. It would mean nothing to you. It would be it would be it would literally be nothing. It would be one human so, so the before and after. Before one human follows you. After one human follows you. Meaningless. The maths says nothing has changed. But you don't look at the maths. You don't see that as an equation. You see that as loaded with meaning. Um, even if you don't like Beyonce, you still think, wait, is Beyonce following me on Instagram? Because, but I wouldn't say loaded with meaning. But there's just the you, you, there's value to there's like a there's a there's an idea. It's not it's not nothing, but it's not loaded with meaning. It is because Beyonce is a celebrity or a star, and the a word God. star, yeah. yes, that the star means some kind of like impossible bright light that you can look at if you look if you go back to Pinocchio, wish upon a star. Beyonce is held up as some kind of... She is sold to the world as some kind of role model. Yes. Uh, someone to aim Emulate. To, like, a, a lot of people, if you, said, if you said to them in secret and they wouldn't have to face the shame of all their peers hearing this and yeah. taking the piss. Yeah. If you said to someone in total secret, you can press this button give up your life and be Beyonce and they press the button and it turns out that nothing happens but no one sees it there's no social media laughing or anything like that that person will probably feel some emotion they won't see it as a meaningless thing that just happened and I use Beyonce just because everyone in the world knows her. It could be absolutely anyone. If you don't care about Beyonce, swap her for someone you do care about. The point is that there is meaning. So um, it is, and it's evident. So you can't say that you can live a life without meaning if you see evidence of every single human being seeking meaning of some sort. But the difference between coming up with something that is meaningful to you, such as, 
I want to live in the countryside and grow my own aubergines and I don't care if Beyonce is watching or not. Yeah. Compared with something that has been sold to you. And if it's sold to you, there is an element of the cogs of capitalism at work profiting more from pleasure and instant gratification than any kind of value that can truly change your impression of your life over time in a positive way so firstly you're sold celebrities stars you're sold you're told to buy into this idea watch their films listen to their music buy their merchandise go to see them in concert etc yeah at the same time you go to see Beyonce in concert it lasts two hours you get pleasure you come out of it what do you feel like oh I bet she's going back to her mansion I'm going back to my horrible bedsit where I can hear the neighbours having sex upstairs I wish I was Beyonce but I'm not I'm just pathetic me my life doesn't mean anything I've waited I've been looking forward to that Beyonce concert for a year since I bought the tickets now it's all over it's just a memory I'm back to my pathetic life so it's not really giving your life any meaning and if you add up all these pleasure-seeking things Mm -hmm. that you assign meaning to they don't actually give you meaning you're assigning meaning to pleasure Mm -hmm. seeking pleasure which doesn't carry inherent meaning absolutely don't go and see Beyonce guys because no do go and see Beyonce if you want to I mean I'm not going to because I'm not interested and it would be too expensive she's really good but James she's she's really good live Okay, but switch her for someone who I do like, like Alison Moyer. I have been to see Alison Moyer for the pleasure, and I enjoyed the pleasure, but I didn't come out thinking what a meaningless life. Well, maybe I did at the time because it was a while ago, but let's say it happens today. I go and see Alison Moyer in concert. I enjoy the pleasure, and I come out of it, and it's all over the end, and I'm left just with my life. I'm walking home in the rain. I'm a bit cold. I forgot to get something for dinner. I go to the shop. They don't have anything I like, so I get something that's a compromise I come home I don't cook it very well I sit there eating it thinking I wish I was back there in the concert when I was having pleasure because I'm not having pleasure right now but then I remember oh no I actually have decided upon some things that I think give my life meaning and actually I've been enjoying my life for for at least a year now let's say 18 months and I don't have any of those feelings of desperation that I used to have because there, there were definitely times before I went to France where on the surface I was living the life that I had been aiming for. I was earning enough money to have a fancy flat in a nice part of London. I was going to all the parties. I was going on all the holidays. So, so just go back to your original question and let me put it back to you. What is your... I mean, you, I don't think utopia is the right word, but I know that you've been having conversations with people. <laughs> and those conversations with people have brought up all kinds of lofty ideas but what you're really asking me was about my aim in life what's your aim in life what is your utopia to use your word where, where what does it look like i didn't necessarily want to answer that question because i can't remember the last time we had an episode that didn't at some point have something along the lines of this is what i did and it was great Oh, I now live in Montpellier. I've been in this flat with no other people around me for 40 years. I have been thinking about myself for 40 years in a flat in Montpellier. 
Is that your oh, aim? So, no, I couldn't. Well, actually, I mean, I could sustain that, but I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't sustain that exactly as it was for 40 years. No, it's a difficult question. I could definitely answer it with some detail and I would probably, you'd probably find it boring and it's only ever going to interest me. Anyone's meaning only really interests them. The more you talk about it, the more you bore other people. This is why I wanted to talk around it. So I'm going to be very reductionist here and conclude that from looking back over the things, all the things that I've done in my life from childhood up to the present day, the thing that I think went wrong that I want to put right going into the future is drawing and painting, creating art. I have ideas of things that interest me that I can bring into the pursuit of representing through drawing and painting, which is a thing that I enjoy in the moment. And therefore bringing together the pleasure of something I enjoy in the moment, chucking paint around a canvas, plus the things that are proving to interest me over time. I can do the thing that I like doing, which is creating quite abstract and surreal images. And I can challenge myself to try and represent the ideas that I have in words and translate them into images. And that is something that when I say that to myself, I know I want to do it. I know that it's a challenge and not, it's not boring, but it's not so impossible that it'll just be frustrating and I'll be too intimidated to start doing it and it'll never happen. I know that it's a challenge that I think, okay, I already got an idea of what I could do to start with. And if it's a disaster, bring out the next canvas, try, try again. And I know that I will enjoy it in the moment because I've tried and tested drawing and painting. I love it. I love being in the moment. But previously, when I set up my evil, evil, <laughs> Freudian clip, when I set up my easel in the, in the flat, the, the only time that I've done that just before I went to France, um, I did do some painting and I did enjoy it at the, in the moment, but it was just a pause between thinking, what am I doing? What am I doing with anything in life? It's all just seems totally random. So there is an element of bringing things together, but it's not a cohesive thing. It's not like I envisage making any money out of it. So there are, a, there are some problems that trouble me every day. So it's not like I can just sit here and say, well, this is my utopia and I'm already halfway there. Halfway to heaven, because mm. I the re and the reason I started singing Belinda Carlisle at the beginning of the episode is because I do believe that every human has some kind of need for a symbolic god, which is absolutely not a literal bearded man in the sky who created the universe two thousand years ago. I think it's just <laughs> it's just whatever you assign meaning to, which is mm. more than what you can get from science and logic and language and and rational thinking. And on top of that it only happens if you live it like you, your you, your meaning your utopia can't be the afterlife or anything close i always used to think i would paint in retirement and then i realized what a stupid thing that was why wait for that it may never come so that's why i quoted belinda carlisle heaven is a place on earth because your utopia needs to start now it needs to, um, in fact, I made some notes of this. It needs to start now, not arrive fully formed in the future. So you need to start before you're ready. So I'm not Michelangelo. I'm not, uh, I'm not just going to bring out a canvas and paints and produce a masterpiece first time. But I can't wait until I've 
thought it through in my head exactly what I'm going to paint and it's going to be a masterpiece and I do it systematically according to those divine thoughts and I produce a masterpiece first time I have to produce all kinds of crap and and you do yeah so I have to do that it has to be habitual I can't like I say I can't wait until I'm 70 and think oh I will I will get the paints out now it has to be just something that I do all the time so I mean it's slightly complicated at the moment because of lockdown all my paints and canvases and things are in a place that I am not (laughs) I'm sure I could lend you some if you really wanted to paint thank you you're welcome um and it has to be integrated into your life so it can't be that I live a miserable life hating all the things that I do but then I spare half an hour here and there to do some painting for relief all the things that I'm interested in I have to bring into painting otherwise it's totally fragmented and there's no unified purpose to anything it's just like i go from one pleasure seeking thing to the next your ultimate aims and your utopia as you're calling it have to be a a part of who you are and how you live yeah and that used to be religious everything you did would be according to the ethics according to the word of god according to to getting into heaven the yoke (laughs) whereas now everyone just has if you're not religious you just have to make it all up and I didn't want to just sort of like patronizingly lecture people and say, you should not be basic and go to bottomless brunch and watch Netflix and eat crisps and have nothing else in your life because you're just a nihilistic, hedonistic. Because firstly, I don't believe it's nihilistic because of the Beyonce aubergine principle. And secondly, because it's not nihilistic and there is meaning, who am I to be lofty and say, you've got it wrong and I've got it right? It's just... I think that the more I go into this, the more I try and understand this better, the more I realise how difficult it is for meaning to actually have meaning. So the pursuit of meaning to actually be meaningful over time. It all needs to integrate. That's the key thing. It's in your habits. It's in your core beliefs. It's in your understanding of yourself. And this is where I think we come back to it in a different context because the whole idea of the unconscious, the whole idea of integrating yourself, which is to, put simply, to to know your darkest desires repressed furthest back in the unconscious that still exist. And what that even means, what is psychic energy uh, and so on. To know all of that and to bring that, by bringing as much of it into consciousness means you understand yourself better so there is a question like can meaning ever be real without acknowledging your shadow i don't know that's a big question or are you just seeking pleasure and it doesn't satisfy you you think it feels like you're pursuing something but you still feel generally underwhelmed and i and so in the context of capitalism I don't think we should abolish capitalism and find another system that works better for well-being. I think it's very complicated, but I don't know of a better system that works any better for well-being. I think that in general, people's lives are better now than at any point in history before capitalism. Mm. I don't think that anything about capitalism is ideally suited to well-being because Mm -hmm. profit and well-being seem incompatible. But it doesn't take away your personal identity completely it gives you that little bit of control which has been the subject of the last five or so episodes
a strict routine and, and mental health program, which may involve whatever types of, uh, um, you know, meditation, yoga, self-help or um, advice, counseling, whatever. These are simply modes of survival within capitalism. This is nothing that we should hail as good or bad. This is simply like eating food. You need to do it in order to survive. So in that sense, um, I, I think that that's at least how I look at it. This is simply something you should do. So I don't think a utopia needs to be something abstract or theoretical, um, but I think it has to be a guiding principle. And then I can live it in the now. So I hope that kind of answers the question in a way. And... Thanks for asking these questions. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm very, I was very happy to, to receive them. I'm not sure if my thoughts were, were structured enough or, you know, in any way uh, conceivable. But um, I was very happy that, that you posed these questions. And I think we need to discuss them very, very thoroughly. All right. I, I hope to hear back from you. I, I, I would like to hear your thoughts on this. I'm sure you're not as undecided as, as your, your questions put it. I sometimes I'm troubled with the mental health angle because it's it's something that I understand, but well, I'm not sure if I understand, but I, I think I understand, but I, I always seem to treat as like a symptom and I'm not sure if that's enough. Anyway, good. Um, I'll, I'll end it here. Bye bye. Um, and I think, though, to 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 round up for today, we're going to come back to that that question about mental health in a capitalist society. We're going to come back to that, and I think we're going to have a discussion with our first ever <laughs> studio guest. Potentially, let's not promise anything that we can't deliver. Um, I don't think that's something that we can't deliver. It might just not be our next episode. <laughs> because, I, well, what you say there, I do think that most self-help is wallpapering over the cracks and is not helpful. I think most self-help in the marketplace is selling happiness and is giving people the idea that if they pursue happiness, that will be meaningful. But I've said before that happiness is just a fleeting emotion. It, happiness is not meaning and even even you can, and the thing that backs this up the idea that that in the marketplace happiness is being sold is look at our favorite i was going to say our favorite romanian thinker mikli chitsmikli but is he romanian isn't he hungarian hungarian i can't remember now no 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 he's he's um um it's a republic um he's he's czech republic isn't it our favourite Czech Republic thinker, Mikli Chitsen Mikli, who I believe is actually Mikli Chitsen Mikli, Mikli I or something like that, but I like Chitsen Mikli. He, in his book, Flow, talks about finding meaning out of complexity and not pleasure yeah. and so on. And what do they put on the cover? It's a book about the original guide to the classic guide to finding happiness. Achieving happiness, the classic guide to achieving happiness. I think I wrote it down. So it's not the classic guide to achieving happiness. That's what sells. Mm -hmm. So capitalism as a as an untamed beast 
is selling a thing that will not give your life meaning. So I don't think we should abolish capitalism because it's incompatible with mental well-being, but nor should we look to it as a replacement for religion to give life meaning through shopping and celebrities. Because as I've tried to lay out in today's episode, there's meaning and then there's meaning. And some of that includes paedophile rings. It doesn't. <laughs> Anyway, from this week's episode, it's really left just for me to say thank you for thank you to the listener for being here with us. And um, one last thing, I'm just going to thank you in advance for the huge round of applause that you'll be giving me in two minutes. Okay, can we wait for that? Can we do it live? Should we, we say what we can? Are people still doing this? Right now, we're waiting a couple of minutes for the, for the big clap so that Dan can sit here as a NHS employee and I clap him because if I don't, obviously social pressure will shame me for not joining in. I think we both have thoughts on the idea of celebrating our heroes. Mm, we have a lot of thoughts on this. So, and the hero is a Jungian archetype. The hero goes on a specific journey of integration to find that darkest place inside him or her and to overcome that and to, depending on the hero story, mm -hmm. save the world and be good. To, so to recognise the potential for good and evil inside themselves in order to understand evil, to understand why people out there in the world inflict evil but to be good. Here we go, the clapping has started. We're clapping heroes. I don't know if... The, I'll do some clapping just as a... audio... bit of context. Like I've been James Hall. This has been Private Practice. <laughs> I much prefer this sign-off. I'm Danny P. Brown. Good night. <laughs> it's a wonderful story.